Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and to the age of all ages, Amen. Nice to be with you uh, in this blessed revival, and it's a very generous act of Abuna and Abuna to invite me to take the blessing of uh, uh, the Virgin Mary here in your beautiful church. Um, as Abuna said, the title of our talk, or my talk tonight, and our discussion together is the church, the pillar, and the ground of the truth. Um, this is actually a verse taken from the New Testament, specifically the first letter of St. Paul to St. Timothy, chapter 3, verse 15. So what's the context of the verse? First, this is a pastoral letter to St. Timothy, who is a young bishop in Ephesus. St. Paul, who continued to mentor him and help him and support him in his ministry, he wrote to him about the state of the church, but he sends a very big warning in that letter. And I want to read to you what St. Paul said, and he says this, and I quote First Timothy chapter 4. He said to him, The Spirit expressly says, that in latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. Therefore, St. Paul is warning Timothy, be careful, there will be liars. There will be deceitful people. There will be lies running around. So look out in case, and I quote again, anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness. So in chapter 3 specifically, where our title verse is found, St. Paul instructs St. Timothy on how to select bishops and deacons. So if you start chapter 3, the first part, you will see he has the qualification for overseers, bishops, and then the qualifications of deacons. And then he says to him, these things, i.e. those instructions that I just gave you to choose leaders, I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. So, very long introduction. Do you know where the verse comes from? First Timothy, chapter 3, verse 15. St. Paul is speaking to St. Timothy, who's a bishop. He gives him instruction. He says, be careful. Be careful, there will come out liars who will pretend to tell the truth, but, but they are deceiving people. And as someone who is a leader in the church, you have a responsibility to make sure that the church remains truthful. And so appoint leaders who have those very important qualifications, and I will come, but if I am delayed, just remember this. Remember how to be in the house of God, the house of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. So let's look at some definitions. The word that uh, St. Paul uses for pillar is stulos, sometimes pronounced stylus, from where we get the word stylus, which is a pillar, um, a column, a prop, a support. 
The church is the prop or the support or the pillar of the truth. And then he says to him, and it's also the ground of the truth. What word he uses? Hidrioma, which means a, a, a stay or a prop, that which makes something stable. So, in simple English, he's saying, be careful. You are working in a very important place. You are serving in the church. And guess what? The church is the prop and the support and the thing that holds the truth and the thing that stabilizes the truth, that makes the truth stable and sturdy and strong. One of the saints of the church, St. Hilary of Poitiers, he said that the church is the ship outside of which it is impossible to understand the divine word. For Jesus spoke from the boat to the people gathered on the, on the shores. Well, there has been a time in Christian history where Christians decided to understand the word of God outside of the ship. What happened? What happened when Christians decided to interpret the word of God outside of the church? We ended up with about 20,000 plus different denominations registered. There are about 100,000 non-registered. But 20,000 registered different views. Everyone interpreted the word differently. What, what, what kept the, the Orthodox Church one? What kept the Orthodox Church one is that the church is the lens through which we understand the truth. That means that the truth is found in the ancient church. You're going to say, Abuna, is this one of those uh, fanatic talks that you're going to give against the Protestants? No, because we don't give fanatic talks against the Protestants. That's not the aim. The aim is to show and clarify and declare over and over that the ancient church, the undeviated, the undiluted, the unchanged Orthodox Church is the pillar and the stabilizer of the truth. The Orthodox Church has been living the truth since the first century and the holy tradition, which is the entire life of the church, has been kept pure. Were the church to lose the purity of the apostolic tradition, were we to dilute the apostolic tradition, were we to neglect the apostolic tradition, then the truth would have to cease being the truth. For the church is the pillar and ground and foundation of the truth. If the church has ceased to be the pillar and ground of the truth ever, if it ever loses that one day, I assure you the gates of Hades would prevail against it. Because what keeps the church strong is the truth. What is the truth? Now let me ask the question differently. Who is the truth? It's our Lord's. He is the one who said and claimed boldly, I am the way, the truth. The truth. There is no other truth. There is no other truth except our Lord Jesus Christ. And the church, the ecclesia, the assembly or gathered believers of God, us, the church holds high and supports firmly and sturdily 
the truth. So then you ask, what is the purpose of the church? What is the mission of the church? The mission of the church is the trip we are taking you on next Sunday to a beach somewhere. No, it's probably uh, the funny Sunday school lesson that we're going to give the week after. Or maybe it's the gifts we're going to give out at the end of the revival of the Virgin Mary. That's the mission of the church. Well, these are good things, but are they the mission of the church? The answer is absolutely not. The mission of the church is to flag high the truth in truthless times. The mission of the church is to present and showcase Christ. Come see. Come see someone who claims to be the truth and is the truth. That is the mission of the church. Is to point people to God. Is to point people to the truth. And call everyone to the truth. And defend the truth. And protect the truth. And keep stable and firm the truth. And die for the truth. That is the mission of the church. We all venerate the martyrs, right? Why do we do that? Because they upheld the truth even if if it meant that they had to die for it. We say that their blood is the source, is the water, is what watered the faith of the church. It's a nice expression, but it's really what it is. It's them standing for the truth that has kept the truth in the church. We say people died for what we have today. So we cannot take it lightly. We cannot take the Orthodox faith lightly. It's not fanaticism. Trust me. It is appreciation. It is realization of what the, the, the beauty and the value of the truth that we have is all about. Why do I say this? I say this because we live in a world where lies are plenty. You know what lying, one, one person once told me, you know what lying is all about? And I, I challenge you to find another uh, expression or explanation to this. Uh, if you do, please tell me because I'll go back to the person and challenge them. Lying is about impression management. What do you think? Whenever we lie, it's about impression management. We are managing the way people perceive us. We care more about ourselves than we care about the truth. We want to conform and look like everyone else because it is not the best place to be when everyone is looking at you and saying, you're different. And when they say we are different, they don't say it in a good way. You're different and they frown upon us. They frowned upon Christ Himself when He spoke the truth. But He never stopped to speak the truth, for He is the truth. So, the church is called the pillar and ground of the truth in as long as the truth who is Jesus Christ Himself is in her. Christ is the truth and the church is founded on Him. And 
it holds him to the world. Maybe that explains what Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Let people see your good deeds and glorify your Father. Let's see, let them see the truth and how to glorify God by coming to God, by believing in God. We're asked to be the light in the darkness. We're not asked to be the light in the light. We're asked to be the holders and the pillars and the support of the truth when no one wants the truth. When no one's, no one wants the truth. I was talking to Abuna earlier and chatting about this. And he said, people truly frown when you say, you say, hey, I have something to tell you and it's the truth. Say, okay, say it's a truth. Don't say it is the truth. Don't be exclusive. We live in a world that loves inclusivity and hates exclusivity. So what supports the church in her witness to the truth? It's not eloquent use of words or philosophical uh, refutations or arguments. St. Paul tells the Corinthians, and I quote from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he said to them, I do not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I, pro- as I proclaim to you the testimony about God so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom but on God's power. That's the problem of the heretics throughout all ages. They fell into upholding philosophy and ideologies above the truth, about theology, above theology. You know, let's, I mentioned two of them. You all know Arius? I know you don't know him personally, but you know him? You know Nestorius? Yes? Prominent people in the church, weren't they? Arius was a very, very eloquent Alexandrian priest, a preacher like no one has ever, has ever, you know, come even close to his eloquence in preaching. It is said that Arius was followed by 800 devoted women. One woman is enough. 800. 800 devoted women put their trust in this man. He must have been something. What was Arius's problem? He was trying to solve this issue of how can a transcendent God ever interact with creatures. So he came up with the philosophical idea that God must have created a demigod, someone in between, because he cannot, obviously, interact with creatures. So he interacted with creation and creatures through a demigod and he brought Jesus down into less than the Father. Nestorius. What was Nestorius? Yeah, patriarch of Constantinople. Big place, important man. What was his problem? How can you call a creature whom God brought, how can you call her his mother? How can a creature beget the creator? Philosophy, logic, faulty, of course. Look at today's, today's ideologies. You all familiar with this? The truth is all relative. Isn't that an ideology that we hear about in our schools, in our, in everywhere, in our media? Truth is all relative. 
There is no such thing as the truth. Truth is reduced to personal preference. What's true is what works for you. Statements such as, this may be true for you, but it's not true for me. We like these statements. They're tolerant. They make people live together in peace and safety. Interesting. It's very interesting. Those ideologies have been around, and yet people still are not tolerant of one another. There's something wrong with the ideology, it's not the truth. Postmodernist philosophers in general argue that truth is always contingent on historical and social context rather than being absolute and universal. I read something that I really liked by uh, John Gray, who said, Postmodernists parade their relativism as superior kind of humility. The modest acceptance that we cannot claim to have the truth. You know, that's humble. You say, I don't have the truth. That's humble. In fact, the postmodern denial of truth is the worst kind of arrogance. In denying that the natural world exists independently of our beliefs about it, postmodernists are implicitly rejecting any limits on human ambitions. So by making human beliefs the final arbitrary of reality, they are in effect claiming that nothing exists unless it appears in human consciousness. I once sat, sat down with a youth who told me, Abuna, you actually don't exist. I said, keep going. And she says, you actually don't exist. You only exist because I believe you do. And I said, that's quite interesting. What is this called? She says, it's called solipsism. Have you heard of solipsism? It's this whole idea that reality only exists as a construct in our own minds. This is how far the, de the deception in this world is going. The church, through her life and living experience, has continued to present the truth, not as ideologies to be mentally contemplated and argued. The church offers the truth in a very practical, concrete way of living. Concrete way of living. When God wanted to speak the truth, He concretely became man. And that's why, if you continue on the next verse, after St. Paul says the church is the pillar and the foundation of the truth, look what he says right after. And without controversy, controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. What is St. Paul saying? He's saying to St. Timothy, the truth that I want you to uphold is as concrete as God becoming man. The incarnation is our guide to this truth. Truth is not a matter of arguments. It's a life that we must live. It's a lifestyle. St. Jerome said the church is not a construct of walls and buildings, but a construct of the truth of her teachings, which is the true faith that is lived out by believers. So, in, in the sense, the primary locus of activity of the Holy Spirit is the church 
And when you look at the Nicene Creed, when someone says, what do you guys believe in? You can easily take out your Coptic reader and show them, say, hey, here is the creed. What do we believe in the creed? In a nutshell, we believe in God, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Son was incarnate. He died for us. Third day resurrected. Ascended to heavens. He coming back. And then we say we believe in the church. We believe in one church, in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. You all know we believe in the Bible, right? Right? But does the, does the creed anywhere says we believe in the scriptures? The only time it's mentioned in the creed is Jesus was crucified at the time of Pontius Pilate, as is written in the scripture. But we believe in the church. Why? Because the church presents to us in our Sunday school classes, in our sacramental life, when we sit with our Father of Confession, when we come and approach the Holy Mysteries, when we go out and serve in diaconia to the world, when we do whatever we do, the Church upholds the truth in our life in a very concrete and real way. And so we believe in the Church as we declare in the creeds when we uphold the truth ourselves and we become the pillars and the ground of the truth. So let me shift to something a little bit uh, more personal and practical. We are called to be mission in the world. Mission for what? I just want you to hear this if you're going to hear anything tonight. Mission for the truth. That means when you are pressured to actually hide the truth, when you're under scrutiny or under political pressure not to speak the truth in love, this is the right time to speak the truth in love. We are called to be the truth holders. We are called to be those like the podium that holds the Word of God, the Bible. We are called to be that stylus that shows up high to everyone and waves at everyone says, Hey, come here. The truth is here. The truth is not in humanism. The truth is not in what you think is true or feel like it's true or like it to be true. The truth is God Himself. So how do we reach a world that is choking on lies. We must lovingly expose the logical weaknesses and fallacies in the, in the attraction of false tolerance and fake truths. We must remind, our, remind ourselves of the existence and the authority and the power of God's truth above all. We must put on God first and foremost. So when it comes to work decisions, to family decisions, to money decisions, to church decisions, to friends decisions, to any decisions, we must put the truth first. For we are the pillars and the foundation, the stabilizers of the truth. We must realize that there is a time for both Tolerance and intolerance. For example, Christ, he associated with the sick. 
He associated with the poor and he associated with those who were rejected. Our Lord always spoke the truth with compassion. You know that inner critic inside of you that always bothers you? That always says you're no good? There is another voice inside of you that says, You are my daughter. You are my son. I love you. And I will help you to grow. Yes, you may have done something wrong. It's okay. Repent and come back. The inner critic doesn't say that. The inner critic says, beats you up and says, you're no goods. You're so, sh- you're, you're, you should be ashamed of yourself. But this, the voice of God inside of us is that of compassion. He speaks the truth, but he does it with love, respect to our human dignity, which is given to us in his image and with great love. And finally, we are not just to speak the truth, but let me tell you something, my dear beloveds. We are to live out the truth because people will not believe what we say, but they will believe the lives we live. I say this to myself, trust me, before I say it to anybody else, because being in leadership in the church, that puts more responsibility on myself And I'm saying on every Christian, yes, live out the truth. St. James tells us that faith by itself, if it's not lived out through works, it's dead. Don't say to someone, I'm a Christian, go live your Christianity. Live according to the principles of Christ. And let people wonder, who are you? And they might not say it in a good way. But tell them, I am a Christ follower. I am a Christian. We are called to abide in Christ. We are called to live a lifestyle that is Christian. Christ rebuked the Pharisees. Why? The Pharisees started well. We all know that. They started well. They started by saying, you know what? The people of Israel are getting far from God. Let's forget about the uh, the parents. Let's go after the kids. And they build them synagogues before Christ came. And they became those Pharisees that kept the newer generation in. But unfortunately, they taught and they got stuck in the praxis, in the doing of their faith. St. Paul warns Timothy. You want to listen to this one? And tell me, is he warning Timothy in first century uh, Christianity or is he warning us today? He says, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Boastful. Proud. Abusive. Disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. First, Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. Wow. When people do not live out their faith, that means that faith is, is reduced to a set of ideologies, rituals, to be performed within the walls of the church in a pretend mode. 
you are called to live out your truth in the world where everyone is thirsty for the truth. You know, in a world where lying is everywhere, the most precious currency is the truth. Go and live it. Go and speak it. Go and declare it. For there are people out there who are so thirsty for the truth. And you know what? You speak the truth in love, but truth can only be told one way. You know, you cannot, um, you cannot try and beautify the truth. I mean, it's, it's almost, it's a deceptive truth. You may have recalled, I said the story before of a, a wife that went on a trip, business trip. She went on a business trip. They're probably from Canada, not from the States. Um, it's a fictional story. And so she called her husband a few days in and she says, Hey, how are you? How's everyone? He says, everyone's good, but the cat died. She said, what? The cat died? That's a horrible thing. He said, yeah, she went up the roof and fell and died. He said, well, why you just tell me the truth like that? You should, you should kind of ease me into the truth. He said, ease you into the truth. I, I know only one way of telling the truth. The cat died. He says, no, like when I called you from Spain, you should just tell me the cat went up the roof. When I called you from England, you should say we can't find the cat. And when I called you now from France, you should say the cat fell and died. This way, the truth is easier. He said, okay, I never knew this is how to tell the truth, but I'll, I'll make a note of it. She said, do you better? He says, okay, no worries. And then she asked him, how is my mom doing? He said, she went up the roof. Funny, but sometimes we do that with the truth. We mellow the truth. We mellow the truth. And by the time it gets to people, they miss the point. Be bold, I would say, as our Christ was bold. He spoke the truth, and he commanded us to speak the truth in love. When you realize that the truth is the only anchor, when you realize that the truth is the only safe um, place, is the only place of salvation, you are going to flag the truth and showcase the truth and be the pillar and the ground of the truth wherever you are. Glory be to God forever and ever.